Well, my brothers and sisters, after this homily, you're going to remember it as the anti-pig homily. I had some pig farmers that were very, very upset with me after the 815 homily. So I would like to talk a little bit today about some current events and uh, touching upon the Amazon Synod that took place recently in Rome. In the wake of this, it seems to me there's, there's quite a bit of questioning and confusion on the part of many, many Catholics. And, uh, you know, growing up under the pontificate of John Paul II and then going into Benedict XVI, there was times where there was kinds of confusions and potentials for the church to be divided and to be split against itself. But I don't think anything really like what we have with the Holy Father Pope Francis. There's a real potential for division. And as your pastor, I'd like to give us all some guidance as to how to avoid something uh, as tragic as that and really try to keep us together as one family, as one church family across the world, uh, as Catholics united together in, in one. Well, I'm going to do that, though. How do, we, how do we navigate our way through confusing times and maintain unity and really discern the truth? of the matter when it comes to controversial issues and things. Two points, okay, so my hand is going to be structured around two points. Is number one, we need to emulate the sheep and not the pig, okay? So I'll explain what I mean by that, all right, as the homily goes on. And then secondly, we need to avoid the politicizing of religion, okay? So those would be the two points that I think as your pastor, I'd like to kind of give to you guys as guidance in this matter, all right? Well, what is this whole pig-sheep thing, okay? We look at our first um, scripture reading, and we see these very brave uh, brothers, seven of them, and they actually die for the law of God. And uh, this law has to do with the dietary restrictions of the Old Testament, this prohibition on eating, about eating pork, Okay. So the, this uh, martyrdom took place about 180 years or so before the birth of Christ. So this is the Old Testament era, when there was these ancient Old Testament laws into effect that were in effect that had to do with, you know, you can't eat pork, okay? And uh, so that's the context. We've got we've to remember that. So there's basically two kinds of laws in the Old Testament. One is... One kind is the kind that has law in accordance with the nature of things and with human nature. That's the moral law. That law doesn't change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Okay, so whatever those laws are in the Old Testament that have to do with the moral law, they pertain to us Christians in the New Testament era as well. So those are the unchanging laws. But there was another set of laws that were given by God in the Old Testament that were positive laws that had to do with rituals, and they were symbolic. They were symbolic laws that pointed ahead to Christ, to spiritual things. And when Christ came, those laws were done away with. And so they don't pertain to Christians anymore because they've been fulfilled by Christ. And it's the dietary restrictions and laws concerning what can be eaten or can't be eaten in particular that fit into this category. Okay? So what's the symbolism then behind this prohibition uh, on eating pork? Well, if you go to Leviticus, you go to these other books in the Old Testament, you see the clean animal was defined by two characteristics. First of all, they had hooves, and then secondly, they were what's called ruminants. Okay, they chewed the cud in common parlance. Okay, they chewed the cud. 
So those were the two requirements. And the pig was kind of a funny animal because it was a, it was a little bit of a twilight zone animal. It filled one of those, it fulfilled one of those conditions because it had hooves, but yet it doesn't ruminate. Okay? And so it didn't fit that category of clean animal. What's the symbolism behind this? Well, ruminating is a very important symbol in the Old Testament. It's a symbol really of thoughtfulness and prayerfulness and contemplation and a careful consideration of the Word of God. So, for example, in the book of Psalms, there is a, a word that's translated commonly into English as meditate. And uh, that word, if you study it, you start to see that what it means actually is not meditation as in like Eastern meditation kind of meditation, but a meditation in terms of a recitation of Scripture in a quiet way, but with the mouth. Okay? So if you can think of someone meditating in the, in the biblical sense, they're reading over Scripture and their, their jaw is moving. Little by little by little. You see it? And they're spending lots of time in peaceful, quiet moving of the jaw. What does that look like? It looks like a, an animal ruminating. Okay, so if we ever see sheep, okay, sometimes cows as well, they're kind of sitting down and they're just going, they're moving the jaw quietly, peacefully. All right? It's an image of meditation, an image of quiet, prayerful thoughtfulness and reflection and contemplation. Okay? And so to be a sheep and not to be a pig is to be a thoughtful, ruminating, meditating, prayerful person. And Jesus, of course, we call him the Lamb of God. All right? So he is the perfect example of what we're dealing with. You know, the whole system, the digestive system of the ruminant, of the sheep, for example, is very interesting. They have uh, four different compartments to their stomachs. And the first compartment is like this vat of fermenting chemicals. And the food goes into that vat and kind of stays there and ferments for a bit. And then they bring it back up. And there's a whole process that takes them a long time to digest their food. The other interesting thing about sheep in particular is they graze. Can you guess how many hours a day they spend grazing? Seven hours a day. And they do it at the sunrise and at the sunset, okay, towards the early morning and towards the evening. And again, we go back to the Psalter. The very first psalm says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the path that sinners tread, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates, or ruminates, day and night. Okay? That's a beautiful, beautiful image, and it's really what we're called to do and to be. All right? Now, in contrast to that, the animals like the pig, who have a normal system like human beings have, the food just goes in and out. There's no ruminating that takes place. Okay? And so, what we're being called to do is whenever we sort of receive information from the outside and we take it into ourselves, we need to be very um, careful and thoughtful about what we're taking in, okay? We can't make quick judgment calls. You know, one of the first uh, documents, official church documents from the church uh, that I studied when I was in seminary was called um, 
well, I won't give you the name, but in any event, what's content basically was how does a theologian who has problems with the teaching of the official teaching of the church, what we call the magisterium of the Pope, for example, how does he, if he has got problems with that teaching, how does he deal with those problems? And basically it says you have to try as hard as you can to take what you're hearing from the magisterium and reconcile it with your understanding, okay? And try, try really hard. And if you can't seem to sort of make sense of it, try again. <laughs> if you can't make sense of it, try again, okay? That, and it kind of goes on. There are actually occasions for theologians to open up conversations with the official, you know, congregations and the Vatican to deal with doctrinal disputes and whatnot. But in any event, the point is, is you have to be very reserved in your judgment, okay, and not be quick. So the sheep is an image of someone who reserves judgment, who's able to suspend judgments and be very thoughtful and not, not indulge in rash judgment. And so often when we hear things in the news or whatever, the, the, the best way to fall into error and misunderstanding is to make a quick judgment call and to form your opinions on the snap, okay? That instead, we need to be like the sheep that listens more than it passes judgments. It's grazing, it's ruminating. This is, this is what we need to be, my brothers and sisters. Okay, the second point here is let's not politicize religion. Very, very important, okay? Oh, actually, real quick, before I pass on to that, is notice in our gospel the Sadducees who are trying to get Jesus, all right? You know what they've done with the book of Exodus, that passage about the burning bush? They ate it like a pig. You see, it went in and out, and they missed its deeper nutrients, right? Jesus understood that the, actually the, the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead was hidden in that passage, and it's just like the sheep. You see, the sheep, or the ruminant, they're able to extract hidden nutrients, nutrients that are deep down in that food that the pig doesn't ever get. It misses out on because it passes through in, in and out. Okay? So that's what's amazing about the ruminant is they're able to uncover the, the deeper nutrients, the deeper truths of that food. And that's what the Sadducees didn't do. They were like pigs. They just kind of read that passage in Exodus, you know, went through one ear and out the other. And they weren't able to uncover the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. So they missed out on the truth. All right? So they, they fell into error because they were like pigs and not like sheep. Okay. So second point, my brothers and sisters, we can't politicize religion. This gospel text today is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. You see, the Sadducees, they were a political party. They were a faction within this holy religion, this Judaism. They took their holy religion and they made it into a political party. So now you got the Pharisees and now you got the Sadducees and then you got the Essenes and then you got the Zealots and they all had their opinion, right? Opinions are like what, right? We heard, we know, <laughs> we've heard the saying, I'm not going to say it's probably not appropriate for church, but everybody's got one, right? Okay. And so it just goes in one ear, out the other. They make a quick judgment call. And you know what was missing was a living teaching authority. You see, in the Old Testament, prophets were that living teaching authority. They were the voice of God. But they would come and they would go. But then Jesus Christ came. He is the fullness 
of all the prophetic tradition. He is the final arbiter that comes and puts an end to all the political factions. Okay, no more are we going to be divided into parties. We're going to be one body of Christ. And he established a living teaching authority. He said to St. Peter, You are Peter upon this rock. I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. So no longer is it about politics and opinions. It's about adhering to the truth of the word of God as it's been transmitted to us by our holy tradition and by the living teaching authority of the Holy Father. Okay? And it's this path that avoids division. It's this path that avoids politicizing. You know, you're a liberal Catholic. Oh, you're a conservative Catholic. My brothers and sisters, this not this is this ought not to be the situation. Okay, there isn't a liberal Catholic. There isn't a uh, a conservative Catholic. There is a Catholic. That's it. Who adheres to the Word of God as transmitted to him or her through the Church and through the teaching authority of the Church through the Pope. That's it. There isn't room for politics. We've politicized religion. You know, Bishop Sheen of blessed memory, before he died. He's a very insightful man. It's almost like he prophesied. Because what he said is the problem the church is going to face in the upcoming era is the politicizing or the politicization of religion. That's what he said right before he died. He, he foresaw this whole thing of conservative Catholic, liberal Catholic, right? It didn't exist until 40, 50 years ago. It's silly, all right? This is not what Jesus Christ has established in the earth. So, my brothers and sisters, there's some practical applications wrapping it up here. If you're consuming media, social media, blogospheres, okay, whatever it might be, and it's causing you to lessen your affection and respect for the Holy Father, something's, something's off, okay? You're being tested. And the test is, are you this thoughtful, prayerful, ruminating um, sheep, or are you a pig that just eats whatever it's fed? Okay? That's the test. That's the test. So practical application. Be very critical of media information about your own faith. We as Catholics learn our faith from our church, not from the media, okay? So don't let the media get in between you and your faith. And uh, maybe spending less time in front of the TV and computer screen. I say this to my dad all the time. He'll be embarrassed when he listens to my homily. He watches the news too much. He gets angry all the time. You want to have more peace and thoughtfulness and intelligence in your life? Limit the amount that you're watching the news, okay? So... Less TV and internet, more prayer. Okay? Don't be afraid to be alone, prayerful, thoughtful, contemplative, contemplating, thinking with God, you and God. Alright, my brothers and sisters, it's, it's the person that respects the Holy Father and His guidance, and then at the same time is not this totally blind, you know, dummy, but a thoughtful person who reserves judgments. It's not quick 
to make judgment calls. That's the person that's going to steer clear of confusion and division in the church of Christ. So my brothers and sisters, that's the guidance that I might give you today. You know, someone asked, forget it through third parties. What, is the, what does Father Tedeschi think about this possibility? You know, the bishops in the Amazon asked him whether or not they could ordain some married men. What does Father Tedeschi think? What Father Tedeschi thinks is what the Pope thinks. Okay, if the Pope thinks that the pastoral necessities and requirements of this given region in the world would call for that, and he thinks that's a good idea, and I think that's a good idea. All right? So I think what the Pope thinks. It's really kind of as simple as that. If you follow his judgment call, whenever he, it doesn't mean that he's perfect in every single decision that he makes, but whenever he makes a decision concerning the universal church, its well-being when it comes to doctrine, when it comes to morals, when it comes to the liturgy, it's always safe for the Catholic to follow the judgment of the Pope. It's always safe. You'll never go wrong. You're not, you're not going to show up on judgment day and God said, hey, how come you didn't, how come you follow the Pope instead of that, you know, talking head on TV or that person that, you know, shot off that blog post? You know, you should have listened to that guy that wrote the blog post instead of listening to the Pope. <laughs> God is never going to say that to us on judgment day. We're always going to be safe to follow his judgment when it comes to those big matters. That's the Holy Spirit's guidance, okay? He has the charism of the office of St. Peter. I don't, all right? So your pastor follows his bishop and he follows the Pope. And I put that all before you as, as an example as well. But let's be obedient. Let's also be thoughtful and, and slow to judge and prayerful and meditative. Be like the sheep and not like the pig.